Today's scripture passage comes to us from the book of Mark, chapter 14, and it's verses 10 through 26. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him, one after another, Is it I? And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and is given to us in love. Good morning. We are in the midst of a series studying Mark in reverse. And the first week we looked at the end of the story... Jesus' resurrection. And we talked about how the resurrection changes the way in which we see our own stories and the events in the world unfolding around us. Now, the past two weeks, we looked at the, the suffering of Jesus on the cross and in his trial. And this week, we're going to look at one of the most hotly debated topics in church history the Lord's Supper. In order to help uh, prepare for the sermon, I've actually been reading this book by Keith Matheson. It's called Given for You. I'd commend it to you. It's an excellent, excellent book on the Lord's uh, Supper. Some of you, like me, we, you grew up in a mainstream evangelical church in which communion was only taken once a month or once a quarter at the most. And the meaning and significance of communion was never really taught. My hope is that as we study our passage this morning, God will deepen our understanding of and appreciation for the Lord's Supper. So that when we partake of it each week here at Hope Chapel, we will receive the full blessing and spiritual formation for which our Savior intended. So, the two things that I want us to consider as we look at the Lord's Supper from our text this morning. First is the betrayal in it. 
And then secondly, the intimacy of it. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful this morning that even in a room that does not have heat, it's actually warm. We're grateful this morning for the sunshine. We're grateful that you long to meet us this morning. We're grateful that you are more than sufficient to provide for all of our needs. And we're grateful this morning that you've given us the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and our ears to this ancient text. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give us new eyes to see the Lord's Supper and that you would give us just an opportunity to experience it on a weekly basis in a new and a fresh and an amazing way. And so... Take away the distractions around us and help us uh, to learn from you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So I encourage you to open your Bibles or your bulletins to Mark chapter 14, verses 10 through 25. And the first thing as we look at the Lord's Supper is we need to consider the betrayal in it. Look at verses 10 and 11. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now interestingly, Mark begins his discussion on the Lord's Supper with this very important detail telling us that one of the twelve, Judas, betrayed Jesus. Now, this detail is so important that every week I begin the communion liturgy with the statement on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, which Paul also mentions in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Paul writes this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. Jesus tells us that whenever we repeat this feast, we are to start with the idea of betrayal. Not just Judas's betrayal, but as we read down in verses 18 through 21, all the disciples betrayed Jesus in some way. Mark writes, And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now look at their emotional response in verse 19. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him, one after another, Is it I? Each of them was keenly aware, not only what they were capable of, they all knew that they were withholding something which could rise to the level of betraying Jesus. Therefore, they asked him with some fear and trembling, Jesus, is it I? Is it I that have betrayed you? It's like when your wife tells you, honey, we need to talk. You're not quite sure what it is that she wants to talk about, but you're sure that you're more than capable of doing something wrong or maybe of hurting her. 
And therefore, when she makes that statement, you're saying to yourself, oh no, I'm in trouble. Is it I? Jesus' response to the disciples certainly didn't bring them much comfort or give them much hope. Look at verses 20 and 21. He says, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. He's still being very vague here. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. The truth is, while Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus to the chief priest, all the disciples had also betrayed him in some way as they failed to align their lives with the truth of the gospel. Likewise, we betray Jesus too. As I prepared for the sermon, I thought a lot about this concept because we readily admit that we sin, but we don't often equate sin with betrayal of Jesus. But the reality is any sin, no matter what it is, is betrayal of Jesus. Therefore, as Paul says, we've all betrayed him. We've all denied him at times, be that to others or to ourselves, so that we could do what we wanted to do, as if he did not exist. We have wanted other people to think less of him or to join in cursing him. And we have all maligned his very body, his people. We've joined in when others have criticized the church, agreeing that it can be a place that's not accepting, a place that makes others feel bad about themselves or full of those who are self-righteous hypocrites. The question for us this morning is where have you betrayed him this week? In Corinth, the people were betraying the unity of the body. The Lord's Supper is a means of grace, not only that celebrates our union with Jesus, which we're going to talk about in our second point, it's also a meal that celebrates our union with God's people, the many becoming one, as people from all different walks of life come to the table and feast on Christ's body and blood. But in Corinth, people who were like-minded, part of the same social strata, good conversationalists, what they chose to do, they chose to partake of the feast early, excluding those in the church who were boring, backwards, who didn't share the same political beliefs or come from the same pedigree. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 11.22, What? Do you, now, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Now, I doubt many of you are partaking of the bread and cup before you, become, before you come to the table. But I can't help but wonder... If there are times when we come to the table, when we hold contempt in our hearts toward our brothers and sisters who have hurt us, who hold different views than we do. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight 28, 
that we are to examine ourselves before we partake of the bread and blood of the Lord. Because like Judas and the other disciples, our hearts are prone to wander. We, like them, often portray Jesus in our thoughts and in our actions. This is why Paul says, if we know someone has something against us, we are to go to them first and reconcile before coming to the table. If we have hurt someone, we are to go and apologize first. And this is one of the reasons that we take time in our service to confess our sins so that we can come to the communion table having confessed our betrayal of the Lord before we partake. The Lord's Supper is a means of grace in which the Holy Spirit is present as we remember the gospel message, as we celebrate our union with one another and with Christ as the head and our union with Jesus. It is not to be taken lightly and without thoughtful introspection. For like the disciples, we have all betrayed the Lord and possibly one another. For as Paul warns, for if anyone, if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak. That's why many of you are ill. And some of you have even died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And let me also say, while this is certainly a weighty point, the truth that we have all betrayed him, it's also an encouragement to you this morning. For Paul's command for us to always begin the community, communion liturgy with the words of betrayal serves as a comfort that our Savior invites sinners like you and me to the feast. While I was preparing for the sermon, I was having a conversation with a young adult. He's a single guy, and we were talking, and he was talking just about his sin and just the weight of his sin and his failures and how he longed to get married. But he felt like his sin was too much for any woman to handle. And there's no way that she would accept him. And as we were talking, I said to him, one, don't make that decision for her. Um, let her make that decision herself. But secondly, I said to him, you know, every Sunday, the first thing that I say when I um, do the communion liturgy is that we have betrayed Jesus Christ. And the truth is, You've betrayed Jesus Christ. And every woman that comes and partakes of the body and the blood has also betrayed Jesus Christ. We're all sinners. We've all betrayed Him. And therefore, there will be a woman one day that will fall in love with you. Not because you're perfect, but because you're a fellow sinner who knows the grace and love of Jesus Christ. And as we partake of the bread and the cup, we were reminded of that grace. We were reminded of his forgiveness. We were reminded 
Not only that we've betrayed him, but that he loves us and that he forgives us. So the first thing that we see from our text this morning concerning the Lord's Supper is the betrayal in it. The second thing we see is the intimacy of it. We've all just celebrated Christmas with our families and friends. And as I've talked with many of you, one common theme that I've heard again and again and again is that we all ate very well. Many of us spent hours preparing meals so that we could share those meals with our family and our loved ones. There's something inherently intimate and beautiful about sharing a meal together. This is true during the holidays, other big events like graduation, birthdays, weddings. And as we look at our text this morning, we see it's also true when we partake of the Lord's Supper. Look back at verse 12. Mark tells us that it is Passover time, which means that all the Jews were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover meal. And Jesus, he understood the significance of the Passover and the fact that his time had come. It made this particular meal even more special. So much so that he went to great lengths beforehand to prepare. Jesus had prearranged where they were going to eat. And he prearranged that the food would actually be there when the disciples arrived. Look at verses 13 through 15. Jesus tells two of the disciples, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Jesus somehow had found that man and told him that I'm going to send two of my disciples. All this had to be done in secret because Jesus didn't want his identity to be revealed so that he would be captured at this point. And then Jesus says, follow him, this man with a jar of water. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. Jesus had gone ahead and found this man who owned this home and had a guest room and he prearranged all of it. And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare the meal for us. Jesus, the significance of this meal was so great for him that he had gone to great lengths. And then sometime later in the day, Jesus and the disciples, they made their way to the secret location to gather together to eat the Passover meal. And then in verses 22 and 24, Mark tells us, and as they were eating, as they were having this very intimate dinner together, Jesus stops. And, and my guess is every one of them got quiet. And all their eyes locked in on their Savior. And Jesus, he took a piece of bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them. And he said, take, this is my body. Not the lamb's body. This is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. 
And they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, not animal blood, which is poured out for many. Jesus says to his disciples, eat and drink of me, for I am the essence of life for you. For through my broken body and my shed blood, you who profess faith in me will be forgiven of all of your sins. You will be restored to the Father. You will have everlasting life. You will be united to Jesus. One of my favorite uh, scenes in the New Testament occurs when Peter, after Peter's denial, Jesus is on the beach. He's frying some fish. Peter and the disciples are in the boat. And they, they come up, as they come up to the shore, Peter sees Jesus. And he doesn't wait for the boat to row in. He jumps out of the boat and he runs to Jesus. And Jesus, seeing Peter standing there soaking wet and covered in shame, he says to Peter, come, eat breakfast with me. I'm frying some fish. Come sit and join me. And as they sit quietly together, Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter replies three times, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus not only provides food for Peter's belly, he takes away Peter's shame and reinstates Peter in kingdom ministry. Through this meal, Jesus says to the one who betrayed him, I see you. I forgive you. You belong to me, Peter. And I have a plan and a purpose for your life that might not be what you expect or at times hope for, but it will be for your good and my glory. In verse 25, Jesus says, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in the new, in the kingdom of God. But Jesus says to us, Whenever, whenever we gather together as his local body, whenever the word is preached, we are to partake of this meal. Not only remembrance of him and the good news of the gospel, but so that we might experience through this mysterious way the power of the Holy Spirit, we might experience our union with Jesus and our unity as God's body. Calvin says the Lord's Supper is a means of grace for God's people. It's an intimate meal in which the Holy Spirit is present, uniting us with the Lord and nourishing our souls. My, my good friend Ben Milner says to his congregation each week as they partake of the Lord's Supper, this is the time each week where we are most one with Jesus. Let me repeat that. This is the time when we partake of this meal. This is the time each week where you are most one with Jesus. Now you might be asking yourself, but, but Todd, I thought we were always one with Jesus. And yes, we are always united to him. But just as a husband and wife are always married, but they're not always one. Likewise, we're always united to Jesus, but we're not always deeply connected to Him. 
experiencing our union with him. There is something mysterious and sacred that occurs during communion, which makes this moment each week we partake of it a moment of incredible intimacy. The Lord's Supper, it's, it's a consummating of our relationship with him that the Spirit uses to draw us to Jesus and to satiate our hunger and our quench and our thirst. For in the Lord's Supper, we who betray Him again and again experience through the power of the Spirit our union with Him in His death and resurrection and our oneness as the body of Christ. And because of this, Calvin says, this is the most important meal that a child of God will partake of each week. This is the most important meal that you are going to partake of every week. And therefore, except for the most extraordinary circumstances, we should not miss coming and taking of this meal. Why would we if we know that this is the meal in which the Holy Spirit is going to come and we're going to never be more united with Him than in taking this meal? Why would we miss it except in the most extraordinary circumstances? And even in those circumstances, we as elders are to come to you to serve you this meal. For in eating the bread and drinking from the cup, Though mysterious, the Spirit meets us and feeds us and unites us. And so it's my hope as Omicron variant subsides, there will be another variant. Inevitably, we're going to have to learn to live with this. And thankfully, we have therapeutics, we have vaccines, we have masks, we have so many things so that we can come safely and gather together and worship Not just to hear the preached word and to sing hymns and songs, but so that we get to partake of this incredible meal together that they have been partaking of since that night. Just think about it. For 2,000 years, people have been partaking of this meal, the Lord's Supper. And so my hope this morning is that you see As you think about the Lord's Supper, not only the betrayal of it, but the intimacy in it, it is the most important meal that you're going to eat each week. And so my hope is that you will come this morning and partake of this sacred feast in a new and fresh way. That you'll look at this meal, and as you partake of the bread and you partake of the cup, You'll, you'll know that the Spirit is coming and uniting your, your heart and your soul with Him. That you've never been more one with Him than in the moment where you partake of the bread and the cup. It is a sacred feast. And so will you stand with me?